0: Everybody, welcome to the first episode of 2023 of the Crime and Coffee Couple. My name's Allison. My name's Mike. Woo! Woo-woo! We made it. We're ringing in the New Year. Yeah. Whoa.
1: Getting crazy. We if we had a chandelier, we'd be swinging from I it. I
0: would be. I'd be doing backflips from it.
1: As per usual. I mean, when you see a chandelier, just get out of the way.
0: I mean, I'm I'm wild. I'm crazy. Yeah.
1: You Did, can't hold me back. You say Allison Pernaki to somebody and they're like, "Oh, that crazy chick?" Wild woman. She will flip and turn and do She's very flexible. Uh, all these things are not true. Not true. No. Well, Farthest
0: um, thing from the truth.
1: Yeah, you're pretty pretty predictable and um, definitely mild-mannered, I would say.
0: You know, everyone wants to hear that they're pretty predictable, you asshole. Well,
1: well you know, that's what I like about you. I know where you're going to be, what you're going to say, <laughs> everything before you even say it, so You it's nice.
0: know what you're going to get. Yeah, no
1: surprises. Yeah. It's like nothing exciting.
0: Well, the surprise <laughs> might be that it's the new year and I look, you know, quite... Homely, not so dressed up. I have a baseball hat on. Yeah, I
1: wouldn't say you look homely. You look great.
0: We're keeping it real, folks.
1: Well, see what we try to make here is like a hey, we're all around the kitchen table talking like friends, um, talking about mm-hmm. a story that we've you know researched and stuff, and then you know kind of get into it and just tell you about these people. So you, hopefully you feel the same. I know we read some reviews where they say yeah, it feels like you're just talking to friends or listening mm-hmm. to friends. And that's what we're trying to do. We're so.
0: all just here as friends, and we're all just trying to do our best, and and that's what I'm doing today. Yeah,
1: I'm not putting on any makeup. Yeah, so.
0: you don't. Have have any makeup on so why should i but
1: i will say thank you for letting me take a shower before this week's episode mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. we we went for a, like a four mile four point, almost
0: five
1: yeah four five point mile something walk. mile walk and uh yeah, before the episode, Allison's like, you yeah, know well Let's just take the do the episode like this. And I was like, well, I mean, I haven't showered in like a day and a half, so I would like to shower. Um, I have certain needs. I just feel like I'd be cleaner because we're gonna <laughs> actually do like two episodes, so it's two uh, hours of sitting here and talking. Yeah. And uh, I was like, I, I would just feel better. And so you're like, oh, okay. Well, you can go ahead. I'm like, thank you so much. I,
0: I know I'm so nice like that. Yeah. Thank you, you know? so. I,
1: so I just want to get that out of the way. Thank you for letting me shower. You're
0: welcome. I
1: know it probably took a lot.
0: You're but, welcome, Mike. Yeah. And yeah. I made your tea while you took a shower. Hour. You
1: did it's like a nice uh, slip
0: some laxatives in there you son of a bitch that could be fun we'll see what that how that plays out
1: good method of weight loss when I we're at our neighbor's
0: house for a little get-together you might be running to their bathroom or maybe
1: in the maybe. middle of your story i'm just gonna be. i hope not yeah that's uh you, you need me here for uh emotional support
0: that reminds me of the office when they're doing like the meredith fun run for rabies yeah. and um dwight says he put emodium in toby's coffee and michael goes you mean la- laxative like right X-lax or something and he's like oh it was Emodium. Emodium.
1: He's <laughs> like, I feel great. It was Toby's best run. <laughs> yeah. He's like, usually I have to stop at the bathroom, but I didn't this time. <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> oh, man. So, well, yeah, it's a hey, new
1: year. It is. So, um, I want to say real quick before we get into things, thank you so much for listening. The last year was an awesome year. I mean, it was crazy. We were just talking about how, you know, having 100 listeners per episode used to be fantastic. And now we're looking at like thousands. So, it's mm-hmm. like amazing. So, thank you so much for listening. And whether you're on Android or Apple, if you could, you know, hop on over to your uh, platform a choice and give us five-star review and maybe leave a few words leave like what your favorite sandwich is I mean whatever it is it a could few be words tuna
0: help. turkey
1: yeah turkey ham bologna cheese. yeah go ahead just a couple words the algorithm doesn't yeah care. so um Spotify we we're getting a million like tons of list not actually a million but pretty That soon. would
0: be nice if it was yeah we're
1: getting a lot there Apple uh pod chaser whatever there's a lot of different ones out there so thank you so much but i do want to read uh, one particular review and uh, if you leave a review you might be in here next week so this one says love it relatable couple funny they tell the story so well i truly dislike when podcasts read from a script this is so much less scripture they do read notes but also talk on them and it doesn't make it sound like an audible at all so.
0: Yeah, I mean, we have a um, an outline here and like all the words, but we spin off from that. Well, the other Otherwise, thing, we'd be just babbling. You yeah, know. and
1: we kind of write how we talk. Yeah. So I think that helps. Yeah. And that's at least what I go when I do it.
0: So, Mike, what are you hoping for this 2023 year?
1: Um, I don't know. Just I'm very already, you know, I'm not a spiritual guy, but I'm already blessed, I think. You know, I was talking to our daughter the other day and saying... You know, we're a pretty good family here. We're very lucky. We we have jobs. We have a nice, you know, nice enough house where we could have enough room for everybody. And we have cars, like all these little things that people just take for granted. Like Mm -hmm. we have everything we need. Right. So I don't know. I'm hoping for health. You know, just you never know when something can happen. Yeah, very true. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Ah, How about you? I am just hoping for good health, like you just said. Uh, mentally, physically, nope, nope, with our that. family, I could say whatever I damn well oh, please. Okay. I'm I'm the one holding this microphone. <laughs> you can't take that from me. Um, I'm hoping that our podcast continues to grow. Um, so far, we're having a great time doing it, and our fan base is just amazing. They're amazing people, and I'm very thankful for them. And you know, just really good health is the number one priority. If we have that we'll make everything else happen.
1: Yeah, well, there was um, a person that reached out to us via Patreon and she said, you're my first uh, Patreon ever and I was like, holy cow, somebody like took their hard-earned money and thought that we were worth it and mm-hmm. it's just like amazing. So thank you so much and I'm glad we can bring something to you that entertains you and also informs you and all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: But, um, I'm so excited that we're doing this healthy journey like uh, New Year's didn't have to have a drink at all. I mean, you know, we haven't actually done New Year's because we're recording it We're beforehand. recording
0: ahead so we haven't yet faced it but we do know right away that we're not drinking on New Year's. I know I
1: don't have a hangover on January 1st. Which
0: is amazing because with hangovers for me, the word anxiety is, it's true. Like I am... A naturally anxious person, but when I'm not drinking, my anxiety is almost non-existent,
1: which is nuts. Like you, months ago, you would never think that you could not have anxiety.
0: Right? It's it's one of those things that when I'm spiraling in it, you think you're never going to get out of it. And I think we're more than fifty days without having a drink. Or by the time we hear this on New Year's, it's going to be like closer to sixty but um i've never felt better and who knows how long i'm going to stretch this maybe forever maybe
1: forever whatever yeah. um i will say if you're looking to not drink any alcohol i went to uh, cbs the other day they have like a million different non-alcoholic choices so like these like fancy cocktail looking things that are supposed to be kind of like gin or vodka or whatever or like tequila they have one and one looks like bourbon and it's all zero alcohol that's so.
0: awesome i think it's great to have options because even if you're not drinking during the holidays you still want to have a festive drink make it feel like something special maybe you do maybe you don't
1: or like special food or the same thing yeah you know? just like make it feel special.
0: like you know you're celebrating Different. and yeah exactly like you're
1: not just having a diet coke
0: like right now videos. i'm i'm drinking a hot cocoa yeah you
1: are and i'm drinking a tea
0: <laughs> yeah so, so you, you get crazy with whatever you like
1: yeah well thanks again and uh let's just jump yeah, into it we're
0: gonna get into this so with this being New Year's Day that this will be published this is actually a very fitting but th- tragically sad story as our stories do tend to be on this platform this is the Kologi family New Year's Eve massacre uh, and nobody ever wants to hear the word massacre you know family name. with your family name you're ringing in a new year you're hopeful that it's going to be a great year and this one does not end in such a way so approximately 15 minutes before ringing in the new year of 2000. 2018, Scott Kologi killed three members of his family as well as a close family friend on December 31, 2017. 16-year-old Scott lived with his family at 635 Wall Street in Long Branch, New Jersey. He lived with his parents, 42-year-old Linda, and 44-year-old Stephen Kologi. He lived with his brother Stephen Jr. as well as an unnamed brother and a sister, 18-year-old Brittany. Scott's grandpa, Adrian Kalogi and his longtime companion and girlfriend, 70-year-old Mary Schultz, also lived in the home. Scott referred to her as Grandmother Mary, so they were together for a very long time.
1: How old did you say Scott is?
0: 16. Got it. So Scott didn't attend the same schools that his siblings did. He was described as a child with special needs. He was fully functional, however, and comprehended what was happening around him. He just needed a little bit more assistance than his siblings did. And he was cared for more attentively by his mom because he needed it.
1: And a lot of times that's what happens um, for better or for worse. You know, obviously somebody with special needs is going to have more attention put to them because they Mm -hmm. need help in day-to-day things and things that we all take for granted. Aren't as easy right for those. so that's just natural and then the kids are gonna get resentful a little bit you know it, 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 it's just a natural human reaction right because they see that they're getting all the attention where it's like what you're not even like checking in on my school stuff it's like because the parent is so he just he have everything into this kid that needs everything that it's hard to you know, have all these other things going on
0: exactly so on the night of new year's eve the cology family was ringing in 2018 at home At the time, most everyone was present, including 18-year-old Brittany, who was on Christmas break at the time. She was away her first semester at Stockton University in Galloway, New Jersey, which was about an hour away from the family home. So she was home, as well as Stephen Jr. He had his girlfriend over that night, Rafaela Bontempo. And then one of Scott's other brothers that was unnamed, and I could not find his name, he was not present that night. So, Grandfather Adrian remembers that everyone was having a good time, and shortly before midnight, Scott found a rifle that was legally registered to his brother, Stephen. It was an AK-47. He loaded it with bullets. He initially took the rifle outside. He had... A plan of potentially shooting random people throughout the neighborhood.
1: Oh, so he was planning to shoot people. He
0: was planning to shoot people.
1: Wow! Did that this night just come he, out was, of nowhere?
0: he was going to use this.
1: Oh, are there like uh, diatribes or know, manifestos some, or there's anything? There's
0: definitely some hints that you know something wasn't right before beforehand, and we'll get more into that.
1: He was able to write and read, and things yeah, from my understanding, just it took longer to do things. It just things okay. took
0: a little bit longer. He needed a little bit more help.
1: Okay.
0: So he changed his mind about going outside to shoot random people he decided to come back in so around approximately like 11 40 ish he went up to his room he put on a leather jacket and sunglasses so this is about 20 minutes before the family set to ring in the new year so i'm
1: picturing like terminator like yes arnold schwarzenegger
0: that's pretty much what i pictured as well so he also put earplugs in to protect his ears knowing that the gun would be loud It was later discovered that Scott researched if a weapon would be effective against police if they happened to respond to the home wearing bulletproof vests. So he was definitely doing some research behind this.
1: That's when Google's automatically like, um, stay where you are Mm -hmm. uh, because uh, 911's on the way. No, no other reason. Just want to check on you.
0: Right. Scott turned the lights out in his room knowing that his mom Linda would come looking for him because it was shortly before midnight and you know how it is on New Year's Eve everyone gathers together in our house we all gather in the family room we open our um, you know sparkling ciders champagnes whatever it is we're having that night we turn on uh, New Year's Rock and Eve or whatever the hell we're calling it these days and we do the countdown together
1: and before that we're playing board games or mm-hmm. just spending some family time together
0: but when it actually strikes midnight we all like to be together as a family 100%. like and, it'd be weird
1: to be in your own room yeah. and stuff like you're together
0: yeah. yeah so we ring out you know happy new year and do toasts and hugs and kisses and all that so in some of the articles that i read his mom came looking for him and others he called his mom upstairs. So regardless of the fact, his mom was coming upstairs and finding Scott in a dark room. So Scott turned the lights out in his room, knowing that his mom, Linda, again, would come looking and looking for him. And he stood in the dark, not wanting his mom to see him with the gun. He said, I just didn't want her to look at me. I think that would have snapped me out of it. And it sounds to me that he didn't want to be snapped out of it yeah
1: that's he had a mission that he wanted to accomplish and didn't want anybody to change it
0: yep he wanted to go forward and in this plan that he had concocted so when his mom entered the room he shot her five to seven times in the torso and the chest
1: jesus christ
0: and we know exactly what happened because in his later interview he was very candid about what he did and how he did it so, his father, Stephen Sr., heard gunshots, rushed upstairs, and was immediately, from what Scott said, shot in the back. So, hmm. he just must have been
1: checking on his wife or something. Yeah. And then, you know, as he was looking at her, mm-hmm. he probably loaded him up. Jeez.
0: Just like that. Did this
1: kid, like, hate his parents?
0: We'll go from there, but I will tell you off the bat no, he did not. No. Okay. So Stephen Jr. Scott's brother testified during the trial that he watched his brother walking calmly down the stairs and entering the kitchen. And you know how this is. like I'm telling you this, but this is all happening extremely fast. So the people downstairs might still be like kind of confused and processing what well, might be happening.
1: And it could also be noisemakers and things. And you're trying to like write it off as of something else, you know, obviously gunshots are, are very uh, particular sound, but it's like, so your, da- your dad runs upstairs, you know, worried and then it's like, he's not coming down. You hear more gunshots. It's like, oh, what's happening? Is it like a joke? Is this like what, mm-hmm. you know, anything is well, going your
0: head. I don't know how it is with other people in different parts of the country or the world, but here in Florida, fireworks are legal So on New Year's Eve, it's nonstop fireworks. So hearing something like that, when you live in Florida, you might not be very alarmed by it because there's literally explosions going off all outside
1: or in Florida and uh, gunshots just going off. right? You,
0: you never know what's going to happen in Florida Yeah, you know,
1: in the shooting range at their house.
0: Exactly. So Stephen is watching as his brother Scott comes downstairs, enters the kitchen carrying an assault rifle. As he entered the kitchen, Scott shot his sister Brittany three times in the chest as she sat at the kitchen table and then his grandfather's companion mary was shot four times as this was going on rafaela steven junior's girlfriend hid behind the refrigerator and called 911 the call went through at 11:43 p.m.
1: thank god somebody got out to yes. the police
0: so Scott told detectives that what? he intended... Did you have a question? Yeah, 11.41? 11.43.
1: 43,
0: so, you know, okay. about 15 minutes until midnight. So Scott told detectives that he intended to kill more people, though as he watched his grandfather fall to his knees and weep when Grandmother Mary was shot, it made him feel confused, and this halted his rampage. Well,
1: no shit, you fucking imbecile like i mean i'm sorry i know he's special needs but i'm sure he maybe he understands emotions i don't know maybe he doesn't maybe it's hard for him to understand emotions and it was just such a you know big thing for him such a power trip to be able to end these lives i you know I, I'm, hopefully we're going to hear more about what's going on from his words but yeah yeah newsflash that these people are sad people are dying mm-hmm. like uh, that's uh, maybe we take it for granted that we feel emotions and feelings and that people like this don't
0: right so Scott ended up firing altogether 14 shots. Monmouth County Assistant Prosecutor Sean Brennan said, these were acts of evil carried out by someone who knew exactly what he was doing. He killed them because he could. He killed them because he wanted to. Stephen Jr., Rafaela, and Adrian were able to escape, and I say physically unharmed because I'm sure mentally, if you watch this happen, you will never mentally be the same again
1: no and that's a great point i when i was doing some research for my case somebody said the same thing it's like you know said oh you know no no injuries but it's like well no physical injuries mm-hmm. but i mean mental injuries like instance some some guy shot his wife uh, nearby uh, near our house over here a few miles ten five miles away ish and they're like yeah the little girl wasn't injured and it's like no she's gonna be mentally injured like her whole life her,
0: her she was home while her father shot her mother and then shot himself like yeah. you can't recover from the that like can you go on and live a a healthy life and cope yes but you're gonna have to you know work hard to get through like you can't unsee that and experience or like if
1: somebody gets in what always gets me when somebody gets in a car accident or something and they're like uh, oh, no life life-threatening injuries but like meanwhile they broke their femur and hip and like mm-hmm. this person laid up in the hospital like you picture them totally fine walking away but it's like no they're they're actually very very injured just not dead right you know but sorry to, to digress
0: so but you know they they did leave the house physically unharmed Though, sadly, Linda, Stephen Sr., Brittany, and Mary were found deceased at the scene as police arrived.
1: Ah, so sad.
0: So medical professionals testified that Scott displayed signs of schizophrenia and likely had a psychotic episode at the time of the murders.
1: Can I uh, comment on one more thing you said in that uh, whole piece? Mm-hmm. Um, the one dude, I think uh, somebody investigator, or something, said he knew what he was doing and he wanted to hurt people. He definitely did. Now you know there was that other side yeah i'm, I'm sure that's going to come into play when they try to say you know was he mentally capable mm-hmm. of this i'm sure there's going to be a, a you know a, um, mentally an unfit or whatever
0: both sides of the coin you know will be looked at like
1: did he realize just how tragic it was probably not and did how he,
0: final it was right did
1: he yeah i, I that would be my you know, argument from the defense side but was was this planned absolutely did he know he was going to kill them yes mm-hmm. but the other side of the coin you know these these don't go together for everybody Everybody, like right. this guy. They go together for us. Regular people. Yeah, not regular. Yeah, but I don't like that other term. My apologies. So um people that can feel both sides. Right. That makes sense to us, but not to a person that can't.
0: Yes. And you know, I don't know how that feels, but I don't know if if Scott knew that like once you kill these people, they will never come back. They will never be on this earth again. So family members, including grandfather Adrian, spoke about how Scott had discussed killing his family in the past saying that his grandson's brain was messed up from a tumor and nerve damage from childbirth. I don't know if that was ever actually proven to be true, but this was something that his grandfather was quoted saying.
1: Well, I mean, that's that's something definitely worrisome. You know, you have a son or daughter that expresses killing the family and you know, when we're young teenagers and, you know, going through all these changes, you say some dumb things, you know, like, I hate this family or I wish I was dead. Like, I, I've never said that, but people have said that.
0: Sure. And but I going think a thing. if somebody is expressing the desire to hurt and, you know, kill other people, it needs to be taken seriously. For sure. I mean, I I think.
1: And if you're listening to this, this is happening in your family. Definitely seek some help.
0: So it sounds like the only true conclusion I perceived from this was that Scott was just obsessed that his grandfather was ratting him out. I don't know that any, you know, repercussions or treatment or anything happened as a result of this.
1: I'm sure it didn't. Our our, uh, system is kind of not really geared towards that. So You're toward putting people away and kind of forgetting about them.
0: The trial began on February 2nd, 2022. It concluded on February 24th, 2020, or I'm sorry, 2000, 2022. So just this year.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, 20, yeah, it's, it's like a pretty recent.
0: Yeah. So it, it was very, I was actually when I was initially researching, I thought I read it wrong. But of course, this happened like basically the night of 2017, the first night of 2000 or the first day of 2018. So it took, you know, years. During that time, it was revealed that Scott also had a half brother named Jonathan Ruiz. Jonathan said that he considered Stephen Sr. as a father, even though, you know, there was no biological relationship. He was very close with the family.
1: Was that the half brother you were looking for?
0: Um no that's that was an unnamed full brother okay. that we didn't mention. This is um, Scott's half brother. It's his Scott's mom's son. So but he did consider Scott's dad Stephen senior as a father to him. So it's basically just saying that he was very close with the family. At the time of the murders Jonathan had moved out of the home though he still visited often and he had a very cl- close relationship with you know the whole family his they were all of his half siblings. Sure. So on New Year's Eve, Jonathan was at the Kologi home with his girlfriend, who is now his wife. They were spending several hours with the family that evening. They were celebrating the new year. Jonathan left the house for a short time. He went out to Domino's Pizza specifically to get Scott a pizza that he wanted. Oh, that's nice. Mm -hmm. He took the drive with his mom. He said that they had a happy drive and all around everyone was in good spirits that night. There were no arguments. Everything seemed normal. There was absolutely nothing happening that would have let anyone to believe that something this tragic was going to happen. So Jonathan and his now wife left early that night. They were heading from the Kologi home to a friend's house in Philadelphia, which was a decision that likely saved their lives.
1: 100%. One of them, at least one of them, would have been critically injured.
0: Perhaps, because obviously, um, you know, three other lives were spared that night, When police arrived at the scene, Scott was calm and quickly confessed to the murders. You know, there was no, like, stand down or anything like that. It was all very peaceful when the police got there. And
1: as police, you're kind of, like, hoping that he struggles a little bit so you can kind of, you know, give him the old, you know, something or other? You know,
0: I I don't know. I think (laughs) it's just such an unfortunate incident you, you just the whole thing is terrible oh, absolutely so 20 year old steven jr had to act as scott's guardian as he was interviewed by law enforcement because of <sighs> course scott's parents are no longer with us yeah so this is somebody that's parents were shot dead that night you yeah
1: know? Uh, an hour earlier he had parents and stuff that were responsible now his parents are gone because of his brother yes and now he's responsible for his brother
0: and he's only 20 years old like that is something that no one should ever have to face. Right. So Stephen Jr. was forced to sit in the interrogation room with Scott as detectives spoke with him.
1: Jeez, oh, that's nuts. That, there should be some kind of special circumstances here. I
0: would agree. And Scott... As you know, Stephen Jr. is sitting there, Scott is calmly explaining how he killed each of his four family members. Stephen was struggling to maintain his composure. He would break down and sob. As Scott left the room and was taken away for a bathroom break, he was seen sobbing, throwing his cup across the room. I mean, his All whole life,
1: mental anguish that this guy's going through, like sitting there. It's like, I'm supposed to be responsible here. I'm going to do it for my family. Mm-hmm. But meanwhile, this guy, your your brother next to you just killed your parents and sister. And you're like, I'm supposed to sit here and just take this, like, yeah. listen to the whole thing r- go over again in my head.
0: And and just to hear Scott's side of how he perceived things and how calm he was Scott said when everything was happening, I felt like I was watching it, like I was farther back in my mind. I just kept firing until they like stopped moving. He told detectives that he aimed at the victims heads when they continued to move. I didn't want them to be in pain at the same time. He said that he knew right from wrong. He said, I doubt I would do it again, but I'm not sure. <laughs> He said that he put 30 bullets in each of the two magazines so that he could continue shooting until he ran out of bullets. He said he had never used a gun before. He watched online videos beforehand so that he knew, you know, at least logistically how to do it. He told detectives that he considered continuing his murder spree outside, specifically to shoot a neighbor who bullied him while he was growing up. He told detectives that he doesn't have any friends, he doesn't have a girlfriend, and that he still sleeps with his parents. He admitted that he had been thinking about hurting his family off and on for the past year. He said he suffered from mood swings, feeling happy one minute and upset the next. And obviously, teenagers, you know, special needs or not, hormonally, they're going through a lot there's going to be a lot of mood swings when it comes to teenagers. We live with a teenage boy and you know sometimes I'm like ooh, man these teenage years are rough.
1: They're a doozy and and
0: they are rough. I you know we were all teenagers at one time. We know what we went through. Yeah. It's not an easy time. I've read
1: articles and I've brought up before where I said it's a the brain is changing from a children child brain to an adult brain and a lot of things need to fire in order for that to happen. Right. So it's an upgrade. It's like you know when your computer upgrades and like you know you basically going from windows you know 3.0 to windows 11 you know that's a big upgrade right you're going to have all these other emotions and then you know your sexual thing turns on and like all the you know then things start growing and it's just all these crazy things going on in your brain and able to like talk about more emotions and understand things and Mm -hmm. it's it's a it's a crazy like metamorphosis almost so it's understandable that you have some mood swings
0: and you know scott on on top of the regular teenage angst he's also dealing with the fact that he does have these special needs. Needs that require additional assistance, I'm sure that's not an easy thing to have to go through.
1: And he can't really think that, that oh, this is normal. You know, maybe he can, maybe he can't, but it's, it's harder to process mm-hmm. those things.
0: So during the interview, police asked Scott if he felt like himself, and he responded, yeah, that's the strange thing. It's not like affecting me. When they asked him how he felt about his parents, he told them that they were good parents and that he loved them. Despite being only 16 at the time of his murders, Scott's case was moved out of family court and he was tried as an adult because of the nature of the crimes. But when he was, you know, asked about how he felt about his parents and he was telling them, he's like, yeah, I really did love them. And that's the strange thing. Hmm. Like he really couldn't understand why he did what he did. During the trial, Scott's defense said that he was in a dissociative state when he shot and murdered his family and made a plea of not guilty by reason of insanity, which I'm sure we all expected was going to be the case. Absolutely. His legal guardian hired a psychologist, Dr. Maureen Santina who said that he was insane at the time.
1: His legal guardian, Stephen Jr.
0: No, I, I don't know that that continued to be the case. I think that was just in the very short interim yeah. when this was literally the, like probably 45 minutes after this whole heinous, heinous, heinous. Hey, yeah. yeah. Thank you. When this heinous crime went down in a pinch, I think that Stephen Jr. acted in, I do not believe when they're saying his legal guardian, I do not believe it was his brother.
1: Got it. Yeah. Obviously they're going for insanity. Just, And like fairly or not, I mean, I can see it. I was it, but the thing is, I don't think it was a a short stint of insanity.
0: No, because it was planned.
1: Right. So uh, whatever the law is, I mean, this is something that he's, continuously capable of it wasn't just one episode
0: right this is something
1: forever he will have to be watched for
0: it's not like they were sitting in the house for new year's and on a whim he grabbed the gun and just went crazy this was something that had been thought out and planned scott had experienced according to dr maureen santina he had experienced hallucinations leading up to the murders that had become more frequent and intense as time passed he experienced desires to hurt others not just his family you know there was mention of the neighbors um he told dr santina that he did speak with his mom about these intrusive thoughts but his mom instructed him that if he ignored these thoughts they would just go away
1: Oof, the he, worst thing you can say probably. you know i'm and obviously, sure 2020 i know if family's listening they're like well yeah we'd like to go back and change that
0: right and but we're least, not victim shaming no by any not. means this is not linda's fault no This Uh, is a horrible, horrible thing that I'm sure nobody could have anticipated happening. No,
1: but if we can learn anything, let's talk about things instead of trying to push him away.
0: Exactly. So, um, like I said, his mom had hoped they would just go away. He also became paranoid. He believed that his family was out to hurt him. His lawyers indicated that he suffered from a severe developmental disability and acted as if he was a much younger age. His half-brother, Jonathan, um, said that Scott displayed a greater disparity in his mental abilities, more so even as he got older, he was noticing it. Ah, he,
1: So it's almost like he made it to an age and then stopped
0: and like kind of started to regress yeah. is what I gathered from that statement. So
1: like, at, you know, 10, he was acting like a five year old. And then by, you know, whatever, 16, he's probably acting like a seven year old or something. Yeah, whatever.
0: It's harder because at 16, you know, one expects more mature decisions to be happening. And that wasn't happening in this case. Not that it was Scott's fault.
1: Well, just the way that Scott was answering questions, it was a matter of fact, like, yeah, and that's the weird thing. Like, I still miss my parents and stuff, which is they're dead and i killed them it's like huh well you're kind of being very just direct and like like a little toddler would say mm-hmm. like you know if a toddler you caught him flushing a, a fish down the toilet and you know being like the, the fish is gone now and it's like yeah i did it yeah, yeah that's kind of what it was
0: like not understanding yeah so Jonathan was indicating some examples that you know his mother oftentimes was still needing to tr- help Scott get dressed and again that he still slept oftentimes with his parents. Yeah. These aren't things you would expect of a typical and I and I I hate the word typical or normal or anything like that. That's I never mean to cause any kind of like you know I get um, offense but that he this wouldn't be typically noticed on a 16 year old boy that he'd be sleeping with his parents so jonathan was just you know making the point that scott really was far behind his age of 16 and there was one mention of the fact that like the parents still had to hide christmas presents up in the attic because they were still tagged from santa mm-hmm. that was still actively happening and and that, that was what Scott still believed at age 16. Yeah. So the week before the murder spree, Scott said he saw a woman laying in bed with him and that she seemed to be human, though her eyes turned red and she had long, sharp teeth. And then she turned black as if she was being burnt up. He told Dr. Santina that on the morning of the murders, he felt off. And while he showered, he heard a voice say, Welcome to the side of evil. So this was like, you know, her indications that he's having these hallucinations. Yeah. And
1: I'm sure, you know, right away you think, what kind of medications can we put him on so we can prevent these hallucinations? Mm -hmm. And so he doesn't think that this is where he's being pushed towards.
0: Right. Right. Dr. Santina told jurors that she believes that Scott was experiencing symptoms of early onset schizophrenia, pointing out statements that Scott made during his interview with police immediately after the murders. He said that he was on autopilot. He felt like he was watching a movie. Dr. Santina indicated to the jury that she diagnosed Scott with, again, early onset schizophrenia at the time. Now, on the other side, Dr. Park Dietz on the prosecution side, he's telling the you got these two
1: like doctors arguing mm-hmm, separate back things. and forth. Like, and they they're probably both right, right, but it's like which one, you know, which one does the law go by?
0: So, he's telling the jury that Scott was not schizophrenic, but had an autistic spectrum disorder. He felt that the hallucinations Scott experienced on the night of the murders does not warrant a diagnosis of schizophrenia as he experienced them for short periods of times versus consistently as someone with schizophrenia would. He also pointed out that while Scott was incarcerated, the prison staff did not feel he could benefit from taking antipsychotic medication. when he says prison staff i'm sure he met doctors
1: yeah not just some person. not just like
0: the guard who locks right. the door oh so, yeah he doesn't need meds like nah, just good. like i couldn't say somebody <laughs> what do
1: you think joe nah yeah <laughs> okay. exactly just like
0: i wouldn't be equipped to say if somebody needs meds or not yeah um so when i say that i'm sure he means you know the medical staff but that they didn't feel that he needed antipsychotic medication based on the way that he was acting while incarcerated
1: interesting
0: also during his police interview he asked if he was experiencing paranoia and he told them no i'm not hmm. so while dr park testified he said that he believes that scott experienced times that he felt mistreated or bullied on multiple occasions this caught him to call caused him to build up tension which led him to murder his family
1: yeah i i mean again i'm not a doctor either um i do say that i, I pretty much am but um <laughs> not 100 we know you're not yes so I was thinking more towards the autism spectrum because of the lack of empathy and, you know, a lot of the things that we read about. And uh, that makes more sense because I think this is just who he is. You know, mm-hmm. he, he, he a lot of us are wronged in life and a lot of us think, man, I'd love to beat this person or whatever it is or do something bad. Or
0: like the whole karma's a bitch type of mentality. Yeah. Anybody
1: that says karma's a bitch, you're really saying I, you know, I want ho-
0: something to come back and bite you in the ass. Right,
1: exactly. So we all have those thoughts. It's just that. This guy's not capable of not acting out on them.
0: Right. And, like he even said when he was being interviewed, I don't think I doubt it will happen again, but he didn't know. Like he couldn't promise that he wasn't going to go out and do something like this again,
1: and I want to make it clear not anybody on the autism spectrum is capable of this. It's just that this particular individual right the way he's made
0: We're talking specifically about Scott and what he did. Yeah. And we're not saying generally speaking, somebody with autism is going to murder their family. This is just factually pertaining to Scott. So Scott's attorneys argued that his severe mental illness led him to kill his family and asked that he basically be given 30 years. They said he is a mentally ill child who begged his mother for help and never got it. Testimony during the trial did indicate that Linda didn't want Scott to tell his therapist that he thought about killing people because she was afraid that he was in turn going to be hospitalized for his words.
1: Ah, so he did have a therapist that he talked to. Yes. Wow, that sucks even more because mm-hmm. if you're going to tell anybody it's probably a the therapist, but I get the mom's side too. It's like you're I'm never going to see my boy again and obviously she loves him. He he sleeps with her and her husband every night. Uh man, that's a tough situation to be Very in.
0: Very tough situation. Jury deliberations began on February 24th, um, 2022, again, at 9.30 a.m., and the verdict was read at about 3 p.m. that day. Scott was found guilty on four counts of murder with an extra charge of having a weapon unlawfully. He will be eligible for parole in 127 and a half years. And
1: a half. yes, the half. Like, what the... like, anyway, let's just drop it off and make it 127.
0: <laughs> the intention of the court was that Scott never see the light outside of his jail cell ever again. Stephen Jr., who survived that night, shared a tribute to his parents on social media encouraging people to give the ones that you love an extra kiss or an I love you. He posted to Instagram that he had the greatest parents I could ask for. Never once was I without a hot meal or a roof over my head. They made sure that Christmas came year every year, even though they did struggle financially. I cannot even describe the type of people they were, so just believe me when I say how great that they were. As for my sister, she was so beautiful and smart. I just wish I could tell all of them oh it's so hard sorry
1: it's okay i mean and this is the guy it's good that he's giving a tribute to these people this is how he wants them remembered it's and just it's so touching.
0: heartbreaking to think that this whole family was destroyed and i'm sure he loves his brother scott's
1: yeah and his right and scott loves his parents and his people that he killed everybody he killed i'm sure
0: So he said, I just wish I could tell all of them how much they meant to me and how much I truly loved each and every one of them because I didn't do that enough, as most of us don't. You know, the life goes on and we're hectic and we're running around and we don't think as we're sitting there at 1130 p.m. on New Year's Eve with our family that in 10 minutes they're all going to be gone. So that's, you know, kind of what we were saying at the beginning is we never know what life is going to. What, what's going to happen? And you
1: give anything to say it one more time. And I them. know you would, and, yeah. in
0: any situation. Sure. So he said or also that those that knew Linda and Steve described them as just such loving parents, like the neighbors, were like, man, they were just exceptionally dedicated to their son, Scott, and, and their other children as well. But they were just described as nothing but beautiful people. And Mary Schultz was described by her sister, Mary, as grandmother Mary, who also passed away. She was described as quiet, though thoughtful and caring. She had a heart as big as the universe. Mary had retired since 2010, or had been retired. She had worked as a human resource specialist for TM Engineering. She was a very active woman, acting in community theater as well as focusing on family and local genealogy. I guess she was big into that. During Mary's funeral service, the priest, Father Freer, spoke and said, the curtain went down far too soon and too suddenly for Marianne. You may have wished for another encore in her life, but you do have the chance to give her the ovation that she so rightly deserved. And with that, everyone in the church stood and clapped, celebrating her life that her brother says was so well-lived, giving her a standing ovation in the end.
1: That's a really cool way to put it. Mm -hmm. So you won't see any more encores, but all you have the chance now is the ovation. That's really, really cool. So,
0: you know, it's just such a tragically horrible story all around because, like I said, Stephen Jr. lost so many members of his family, including his brother, Scotts.
1: Yeah. Um, Did any word on if anybody goes to visit him? Because I'm sure he would be happy to see everybody i mean mm-hmm. you know at the same time Stephen jr doesn't want to go see the, his brother that killed everybody so. it sounds
0: like the grandfather adrian still has a lot of anger towards his grandson he said basically he heard his grandson scott saying i love you and you know grandfather adrian was like yeah well you have a very interesting way of showing it yeah you know so i, I know, can't blame them for yeah. never wanting to
1: see him. you again. know whether
0: they do or don't you can understand either way
1: i'm sure if they showed up to prison be like hey scott and he'd be like hey guys
0: what's, right what's going on that's or, what i would imagine
1: or you know whatever he normally does like mm-hmm. it would be totally nothing different like oh i have this to do here in jail and this and this and mm-hmm. i have friends and it's like okay man you would have no idea no. like you want to wave your hand in front of them and be like do you know that you did this and like changed all of our lives for the worst you scumbag
0: well and that's like one of the judge was saying like i hope one day you realize just what you've done but he won't. you know He's i don't know magic. i don't know if he will no
1: he'll he'll just rot in prison and
0: <laughs> it's just a very very sad and unfortunate case yeah absolutely so. i'm
1: sorry well thanks for telling the story and, and it reminds everybody you know the holidays or when any time is a good time to say i love you
0: and you know in the holidays too we tend to be gathering with more of our family members and yes there's could be a lot of frustrations because with family does come come a lot of frustration but sometimes we get to the point where it's like are people really going to change you know that annoying thing that mom uh, might do or something like that no odds are you know they're not really going to change and you got to just try to love people laugh for it who off they are accept
1: it as something cute and funny
0: mm-hmm. and obviously some people have Families that are very toxic, and beyond that, oh
1: yeah, I mean, if somebody's openly like you know Hateful assaulting you and verbally and, and all that, or physically or whatever, right? We're not saying to story. put
0: that aside, but you know, the holidays are a good time to open up to your family and say, hey, you know what? I I didn't, I don't tell you enough, but I just truly I love you and I appreciate you. So. Yeah, like old
1: Aunt Mildred that always bitches about the green beans or and something. Like, like oh, okay, just Mildred. be like <laughs> <laughs> right. She's such just a... eat
0: your fucking green beans. <laughs> yeah,
1: be like I know Aunt Mildred. Just laughing. <laughs> yes, tell Aunt you love her.
0: Mildred, I love you. You. yeah exactly <laughs> anyway so that's the sad sad story of the kloji family uh,
1: well thanks for bringing it to us i very much appreciate it i want to shout out each of our patreons um and your if your name's not on here it's because we recorded this a couple weeks ago so yeah. um we'll get to you don't worry uh so thank you colleen lily oh real quick um if you want bonus episodes go ahead and become a patreon you get a bonus episode every other week if you're on tier two or uh, one a month if you're on tier one um so colleen lily Karen, Nadine, Allie, Michael, Kayla, Dominic, Brian, Shannon, Elizabeth, Mandy, Alana, Vivian, Trisha, Lauren, Megan, Jamie, Chastity, Elizabeth, Genevieve, Claire Anne, Emily, Kathy, Ava, Jovi, Eileen, Misty, Rochelle, Destiny, Ellie, Sherry, Melanie, Bettina, Rebecca, Gabrielle, Angela Sabrina and Sandra
0: thank you all so that much it's
1: getting bigger and bigger and, and I must say we appreciate the heck out of you each and every one of you that's right yeah and um hey you know what elena or alana if you want to tell me exactly how to say your name and i'll say it right every time so i'm I, every time i get past it I, I love it because i know you and I, I try to say it right but i'm not sure if i am and so. i
0: shake my head every single time yeah and, and laugh I,
1: I just looked at you and i was like huh, will see if i it right. Ay, ay,
0: ay. right so anyway we're wishing you all such a healthy and happy 2023 we appreciate each and every one of you for being here thank you from the bottom of our hearts absolutely and on that note
1: bye <laughs>